Welcome to Eastridge Today with Steve Jameson, lead pastor of Eastridge Church in Issaquah and West Seattle. We invite you to worship with us at EastridgetodayRadio.com or in person every weekend. Today, we hear a powerful message. Now, here's Pastor Steve Jameson. Today, as we talk about the theme of joy, it is something that is elusive in so many ways because we often confuse what joy really is. We, we think that joy is when something goes well in our lives. The other day, my wife said to me, hey, how would you like it if I were to take you to the Seahawk game on Thursday night? Well, I was like, wow, that's pretty good. When your wife, come on, guys, when your wife wants to take you to Thursday night football, that's pretty good. And I just started thinking, you know, even when I'm thinking about joy, there's moments where we get euphoric, isn't that right? But uh, even in a football game, you can just, and then the next thing you know, something turns and that joy is diminished. And then it might seemingly come back. And some of us, we kind of ride that roller coaster effect in every areas of our life. If, if something's going well at work, then we kind of surge up. If something changes, we surge down. And we're so moved by circumstances. And today, I just want to say to you, that is not a real definition of what biblical joy is. Those are circumstances. Those are emotions. Those are feelings. But the truth is a biblical joy goes way beyond a moment. A a biblical joy is a foundation. Last week, we were talking about peace and, and peace and joy. It's amazing how those two are coupled together in so many places. I think about Romans 15, 13, a great scripture to memorize where it says, may the God of hope fill you with all what? Joy and peace as you trust in him that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Those two things, knowing what biblical peace is, leads you to be able to experience what biblical joy is. And so today I want to talk to you a little bit about the amazing aspects of allowing peace and joy to really become a reality in your life. It's transformational. There's no doubt about it. In the Old Testament, we could just start there. In the Old Testament, joy is represented in many ways. But the place of people understanding where joy comes from is rooted in the aspect of God's faithfulness. It's joy comes to us by being connected, if you're writing this down, to the goodness of God. When, we, when we're going to have something that is powerful and foundational that we can build our lives off of, this aspect of joy and this aspect of peace, it comes because of understanding who God is and his faithfulness in our lives, his goodness. It, it's about dwelling on the goodness of God instead of the difficulties of circumstances that rise and fall in our lives. One of the great teachings of the Old Testament is how the people were, were taught in the midst of their calendar year. Some of you think, is it really appropriate? I mean, our church is taking a full month to celebrate Christmas. I mean, when you walk outside, you're going to see lights in the, in the atrium. You're going to see a light out on our street for a whole month, just 24-7, bursting forth with a message. Well, let me just say this to you. Celebration is biblical. Did you know that? Nudge somebody next to say, celebration is biblical. And coming to a place of joyful celebration is also biblical. When you look at what the Lord set up in the Old Testament were feasts that were to happen in different points of the year. And they were always to remind the people that though you've been through difficult things, though you have faced trials and challenges, not only in a year, but even in your history, 
Your God has been faithful through it all. Your God has met your needs. You think about the Feast of Tabernacles takes place in the fall. And the rabbis would always say, you don't know what joy is. You don't know what celebration is if you haven't been in Jerusalem for the Feast of Tabernacles. And you're thinking, what is the Feast of Tabernacles? The Feast of Tabernacles was a seven-day celebration. All the stops are pulled out. The city is lit up with lights. People step out of their homes and, and make little booths, and they live like in tents for seven days. Why? To celebrate the fact that once they were a wandering people in the wilderness after God brought them out of slavery, but God then brought them into the place of the promised land, and they're no longer wandering, and they celebrate. Well, today, I just want you to know just like at the Passover, they celebrate the aspect of the Redeemer. They, they celebrate the aspect of the Deliverer, I should say, coming and breaking them out of slavery. The Feast of Pentecost and the, the Feast of Harvest, it celebrates that our God has met our needs. How many could say today, we have something to celebrate in this house because of God's ongoing work in our lives. And it's because of God's ongoing work, we can have peace. It's because of God's ongoing work in our lives, we can have joy. We can have assurance. We can teach our kids. We can gather our families. We can talk to our friends. We can build our companies. We can make an influence in the world because of the goodness of God. But you know, everything in the Old Testament was a foreshadowing of what God would later do. He spoke through his prophets about a day at a time when a greater work would come. And that would be that he would send the Messiah, that God would come himself into the world and that he would redeem and, and, and come to, to save his people. The prophet Isaiah, 700 years before the birth of Jesus, prophesied that. Micah prophesied that the Savior would come and he would be born in the town of Bethlehem. So many different prophetic words that congregate. And so today I wanna take you back to the book of Luke, to Luke chapter two. And I want to continue in the Eastridge celebration of what's worthy of our attention and our focus and even our celebration. You know, the greatest celebration in the Bible, it comes in Luke chapter 2. Are you ready for this? Jump in with me. Luke chapter 2. And we're going to pick up the story of the miraculous birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says these words in chapter 2, verse 1 and following. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. And everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. And while they were there, a time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. And she wrapped him in strips of cloth and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now look at verse 8 and following. We, we hit on this last week and we want to revisit this and we want to just bring this to the forefront of our heart and our mind and let these powerful words go deep inside of us. It says this, there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch on their flocks at night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news. Are you ready? Of great joy that will be for all people. 
Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Christ, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Today, church, I want us to focus on what this angelic visitation and this message of heaven brought. They said, even though the shepherds were filled with fear and the Bible says they were even terrified, what was spoken to them? The angel said, and listen, this is the angel of the Lord coming under God's own divine plan. And he says to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. I love that because, you know, we often talk in terms of preaching the gospel. Do you know what the gospel is? The gospel is the good news. And so when you see this angelic visitation and he says, don't be terrified, don't be afraid because I've got good news for you. Good news of what? Great joy. Remember, that's not just an emotional swing. It is a foundation of life itself. I bring to you good news of great joy that will be for all people. You know what that good news is? It's not just that there is a baby that is born. The good news is the Savior has been born. This is an amazing thing. That what the, what the angel is speaking to is everything that you have been looking forward to through the Old Testament, the prophecies and the words that were given. Today, there is a reality. Today, there is a fulfillment by God's righteous, holy, and, and his character and his righteousness. God has fulfilled his word and his promise. How many know there's such significance to the coming of Jesus? I mean, we study today, we hear about the Webb uh, telescope and our space probes that are out there, and we're trying to look back 13.7 billion years, and you've been reading about all these discoveries coming out and, and these different things. You know, here's what I'm talking to you. Out of this God that created this vast, vast creation, this great, amazing creation, we don't know much about all of that out there. But God, out of his vastness and his power and his authority, chose that he would step into humanity, that he would come and humble himself. Isn't it amazing that we serve a God who is so vast, so powerful, all-knowing, all-present, you know, all-powerful, and yet in the midst of that, he is so personal that he cares about you and me. He cares about our hearts and our lives. He created us to be in relationship. He created us to know him, to walk with him, to experience a true, authentic love with him, to not only experience his love, but to even communicate our heart back to him. It's an amazing thing that we could have this kind of a relationship with God. But if it wasn't for the coming of this child in a manger, would that even be possible? The Lord knows not only what he would need to do to satisfy his own righteous, holy conscience. That's why Christ came into the world to be the redeemer, is to be able to take our burdens and our brokenness and our mistakes, and that God himself would take care of it, that he could offer back to us a true free gift, which is grace, which is forgiveness, which is to be made right with God, to have right standing, that our heart is right with the Lord that made us. Talk about the greatest miracle of all. But how could that have been if there wasn't this moment of a reality? Why did the angels rejoice? Why did the angels come and declare the glory of God? Because this was such a significant moment. The prophets even foretold that this Messiah that would come would be one that would even be talked against. 
We shouldn't be surprised today that, that people mock and ridicule the coming of the Lord. It, that was prophesied right along with everything else. But today it's so important for you and me to realize that out of the vastness of all of creation, the things we know and the things that we don't know, we can have assurance of this. God is a faithful God. God is a promise keeper. He is one who has given us his word, and you can build your life on that word. And this is so significant. There is a real place. There's a real love. Jesus came because what was going to happen was something that he couldn't just delegate, couldn't just hand off and give it to someone else. Talk about God loving you and wanting to be able to have relationship with you and be able to make you right. How important are you to God? How valuable are you to God? The devil wants to tell you that you are a mess, that you've made so many mistakes. Look at you. How could God ever love you? How could God ever do anything with you? You know, don't believe the lies of the enemy. Believe the truths of Jesus in your life. And come back to this miracle. Don't ever let anybody take away the miracle of the virgin birth in your life. <laughs> you know, some people struggle with the virgin birth. I don't have a problem with it. I tell you that every year. Because our God is a supernatural God. He stands above his creation. I don't know about you, but I love that. I love knowing I serve a God who is supernatural, all-knowing. I, I, I love knowing that I serve a God that is all-powerful. I, I, I love knowing that I serve a God that is beyond what I can understand or comprehend. Because there's a lot of things in my life I don't understand or comprehend. And so I am glad that there's a God that can intervene on my behalf, who cares about me, that is trustworthy, that is pure, that is holy, that has no dark side, that he has nothing but his very best for me. And he comes in a way that is supernatural. He comes in a way that you and I would not have even chosen if we were the one that got the, the opportunity to plan the map or, or to, you know, plan out how the sequences were going to go. We wouldn't have chosen 2,000 years ago. We wouldn't have chosen a primitive situation. We wouldn't have chosen a cross. We wouldn't have chosen brutality. We wouldn't have chosen any of this. But God's ways are higher than our ways. And he came, even as he says in his own word, he came in the fullness of time. Don't you love the fact that God is a God who is under control? He's not a God that's freaking out over anything. He's a God of precision. He's a God of detail. He's a, a God of process. Somebody need to hear this today. And he's working a process in your heart to bring you to a place where one day you might have been closed off, but today... God is bringing you to a place that you could receive him. God is the God of his word. And if you and I will give him an opportunity, he will fulfill that word, not only in the grand scheme of life, but he will fulfill it in your life. Look at me to this scripture. The angel says, do not be afraid. I bring you good news. I love that. We call that the gospel. And the gospel is not simply the story of a baby being born in a manger. The gospel is the entire arc of who Jesus is, his life, his ministry, his purpose, his atoning sacrifice of giving his life, his resurrection on the third day, and his ascension into heaven where he lives today. And you know, there's something that you need to hear today as well. The Bible says that he, that he is at the right hand of the Father. And what is he doing? He is interceding on behalf of you and me. Isn't that an amazing thing? You know, some of us, we have difficult points in our lives. We had one of our ladies come, and, and I prayed with her last night. 
and her precious little girl is in the hospital and I anointed her in the place of her daughter and prayed over her. And you know, it means something to have somebody who stands with you in faith in times of need. Isn't that right? How awesome is it to know that the Savior, the King of glory, the miracle of all of heaven is interceding. He's, he's standing on your behalf. He has come to be your Redeemer. He laid his life down. He took the worst that man could ever dish. And, and he, you know, being just, uh, betrayed, being lied about, being beaten, being mocked, being ridiculed, being crucified out like the criminals on the road. And yet he came willingly to do it because his love Love is so overwhelming for you and me that he came to take away everything that could be a, a, a hindrance between us and God, that we might know that we are loved, that we are valuable, that we are meaningful to God, and that he yearns to be in our life. He yearns to speak into our heart. He yearns to be our God, and he intercedes for the very best to be in your soul. Wow. Now, maybe we can start to understand the exuberance of the angel. Man, I've got good news for you. What is it? He's here. The promise is here. The anointed one, the Christ, he is here. He's come as a child because God is a God of process. God is a God who fulfills his word. God knows what he's doing, and he accomplishes things that we may not even understand in the moment but we will understand in eternity. God is at work in you. There's places that hurt right now. There's places that are broken. There's, there's things in your life that have just really taken you right down to bare metal. Some of you have been wondering if you can take another breath, if, you're, if you can even go that deep because there's been loss and there's been fears and there's been anxiety. But today we stand here today to speak to you the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ the good news that the Redeemer has come. The good news, even beyond Luke chapter 2, is the continuum of that great news. For you and I to know when Jesus was even on the cross, what were some of the last words that Jesus spoke on the cross? Profound. He said, it is finished. It is finished. And he gave up his, his spirit, the Bible says. Isn't that an amazing word for the Redeemer to say? It is finished. The God of process, the God of his word, the God who's a designer, the God that knows the beginning from the end. In that moment on the cross, he recognized that right now, the, the, the penalty of sin and rebellion is being accomplished. It is being paid. Why do we, why do we use the word Redeemer for Jesus? Because to redeem something means you paid a worthy price and you've taken it off of the market. It's no longer on the market. I want you to know what God wants to do with you. He wants you to know that you've been bought with a price, that you have been redeemed from the empty way of life is what the Bible says, that you've been redeemed from sin and rebellion and wrong decisions and wrong things, and you've been brought into a new place. You have been brought into a place of the turning of the page. You know, the other day we had a little bit of a snowstorm, and yeah, it was inconvenient, but wasn't it beautiful just to see the blanket of creation when the Bible says, and the prophet again of Isaiah, where he says, come, let us read 
reason together. Though your sins were like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. How awesome is it for you and I to be able to physically and emotionally take into our hearts a spiritual reality of a God who loves us and cares so much for us. Everything in this world fights against us knowing this God. Isn't it true? There's a battle against our soul. There's a battle against it. Every single day, there is an onslaught trying to push us away from the simplicity of faith that if you will just believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, that you will be, you will have eternal life. You will be made right with God. Talk about good news. I love this. The angel said good news of great joy. Remember, that's not just an emotional surge. That is a foundation of living. What is it built upon? The goodness of God, the faithfulness of God. How do you get to that? Well, maybe we just need to take a 365 approach of doing what they did in the Old Testament in different weeks of feasting, and that is to reflect upon what God has done for you. I got to ask you this. Has God been good to you? Has God been good to you when you were even unfaithful to him? Has God been good to you when you acted in ignorance, let alone rebellion? Has God been good to you? Has he been gracious to you? Has he been faithful to you? The Bible says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He died for us that we might be able to have the freedom to receive graciously in the moments where he's prompting our hearts and our lives. Today, I want to say to you, as the scripture would, when the Lord is visiting your heart, don't turn away the Lord. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, anyone who is in Christ Jesus is a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. And it goes on into 2 Corinthians 6 where it says, Today is the day of salvation. Do not harden your hearts. You know, there's a place where God comes and all of these gracious blessings and anointing, he speaks into our hearts and our lives. But we have to realize there is an enemy of our heart and our soul. And and listen, you know, just like I said to you last week, every time we take a step of disobedience because we think we know more about life, more about fulfillment, more about happiness than God does, we're fooling ourselves. We're listening to a deceiver and we actually end up one step further away from where we want to be in confidence and assurance. Is it true or not? Righteous relationships and having peace in our lives and even a celebration of joy because we know my heart is right with God and God has me in the palm of his hand. I may face trials and tribulation and darkness, but my God is bigger than anything this world can bring me. That's the good news of great joy for all mankind. Jesus had a man named Nicodemus who came to him. He was a religious leader. And Nicodemus was a Jewish leader. He was was afraid of what his friends and his community would say about him if he was found in the presence of Jesus. Some of you might be a little worried about that. What would your friends and your community think if they heard that you turned your heart to God? Nicodemus came under the cover of darkness because of those social fears. And he came to Jesus and he said, teacher, we know you've come from God because nobody else could do the things that you're doing. And Jesus just spoke directly into his heart. Today, I thank God that he's gracious and loving and merciful, but I also thank God that he's direct and he has the ability to speak through the things that we try to fool ourselves with. 
And he looked at Nicodemus and he said, Nicodemus, you must be born again. Nicodemus says, how can I be born again? How can I go back into my mother's womb? And Jesus was explaining that it wasn't the physical that needed, but he needed to be spiritually born again. And he went on. And Jesus gave to this man who came because of fear under the cover of darkness. And Jesus didn't hold anything back from him. He wasn't like, oh man, I wish you had more faith. If you had more faith, we could have a different conversation. I could talk a little bit more about the deep things of God, but you're coming to me out of a spirit of fear, coming at night. You're ashamed to even be seen with. Aren't you glad that Jesus doesn't treat us with what we deserve by our actions? But instead, Jesus gave this man the greatest revelation that even speaks from that moment to you and me right now. Jesus is the one that said these words to that man. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever would believe on him would not perish, but would have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that through him he might be, the world might be saved. Wow. Some of you today, God is speaking and he's piercing that wall of unbelief. He's piercing that wall of what other people think or say. The things that have held you literally back from who you could be and what God would do. You've been held back by this lie and this deception of the enemy. But today there's a a prompting in your spirit and it's the work of the Holy Spirit to draw you to the good news that you might know this amazing gospel of the Redeemer and how he's come and come for you. It's an amazing thing. I think about a woman that had been married five times. Think about the abuse this woman, the disappointment this woman had been through five times. And the Bible says at that point, she just gave up on ever really being loved. And now she's just living with this guy, just trying to make it through another day. She's out at a well, just getting some water. She doesn't even come in the normal hours when the women would come and get the water for their families in the morning or the cool of the evening. No, she was there, the Bible says, under the scorching Middle Eastern heat because she was ashamed. She was tired of people's opinions. She was tired of their commentary on the brokenness and the pain that she carried every day in her life. She could have never imagined when she went that day to gather a little bit of water that the Savior the one who was born in a manger would encounter her at a well and would know who she was. She started walking away and Jesus wanted her to know he knew who she was and knew her situation. So while she was walking away, Jesus said, well, while you're walking away, why don't you call on your husband and come back with him? And that woman turned around and she looked at Jesus and she said, I don't even have a husband. And Jesus said, that's true. In fact, you've had five and the man you now have is not your husband. Wow. Listen, God knows. He knows everything about you, the things you've given up on, the things that you have just kind of taken a side road of disappointment. He knows the things that are locked inside of your heart. 
The angel today would speak a word, echo through 2,000 years to touch your ears today, that you would know this Savior has come. What a great message from Pastor Steve. That's about all the time we have for today. But if you want to listen to the whole thing, you can visit us at eastridgetodayradio.com. And tune in next week for another installment of Eastridge Today.